welcome to We're Not Wizards. We are the best, but not wizards. Enjoy the show! Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name is Richard. I'll be your host for May. We're right into May. It's it's the end of May, which means it's potentially coming into the beginning of June, which means there's going to be one big thing happening that's on everybody's mind and everybody's calendars, that if they're heading down to Birmingham, there's going to be the UK Games Expo kind of coming on. Now, I, I'm not going to be going to the UK Games Expo. However, I was very, very kindly asked by my guest if I'd be interested in going down and making an absolute fool of myself in front of a whole group of people. Um, I'm leaving that to Polyhedron Collider, who are going to be going down and making a an absolute fool of themselves. Like They're kind of like the, I don't know, top gear, except imagine it's kind of like not being in cars and just like kind of still being kind of idiots. Um I still like them very, very much. But when you've got somebody like Polyhedron Collider to look after, you don't just need a normal person. You need somebody who's like maybe very, very masterful at herding cats. You need somebody that's at the top of the game. You could say you need somebody who's potentially a games master. So there's only one person to ask along. I've got Millie the GM, Millie Lavelle, coming here to talk to us about tabletop gaming and GMing and writing RPGs. And so, yes, we're going on to the dark side. There's no, there's there potentially could be wizards. I'm not going to say it, but you know, we never know. So how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I'm very, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you I what mentioned wizards and you're just like, going, well, what's, you know. I'm... What's that? No. Um, yeah. It's, it's bonkers when you, you kind of, talk about like the expo and and things like you you sit down and you go oh goodness I do heard a lot of cats over 12 months <laughs> and then a lot more over three days oh oh I'm, I must be all right here because this is the eighth time I'm doing it um so so but yeah how do you get involved in something like that I mean how does I take it you must know you must, you must, you must know Richard then, and uh, at Medusa then um, to kind of well, get involved now. in this kind of stuff. It was, it was really weird. Like the first time I went to UK Games Expo, it was um, a volunteers. Mm. Like I volunteered, um, and it was a slightly mm. tangential, like sort of way into it. Um, I was also yeah. part of a community radio station, and as a volunteer for them, mm-hmm. I had a radio show, um, and we were doing mm. a lot of stuff um, about. Uh, volunteer month um because it's like right okay you know like there's like national volunteer month and national you know there's a day for everything these days and obviously being a community mm, radio mm. station that basically uh, up and down the country all your community radio stations are 99 percent volunteer run fun, uh, led organized um produced by people who just turn up and volunteer their time um 
And we were doing like all different kinds of volunteering things. Um, my radio show was specifically, uh, it was actually called Geek on Radio because I'm a massive nerd. Um, and every week we would do some sort of nerdy thing um, and we would uh, talk to a nerdy person from the local university or the comic book shop or um, like, it was great. I Like I talked to loads of nerdy people and then we had this bright idea, like if I could get a volunteer spot at UK Games Expo, I could go and do like yeah. an away, like an outside broadcast. It wasn't, it was recorded. It wasn't live, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's how I got involved. So I had like this, this weird, like volunteer press pass for the weekend. And it was brilliant. Like, I would never have been able to have gone to the UK Games Expo otherwise. Like, you know, people have these massive hall posts. Like, I would have just struggled for the hotel. Like, <laughs> you know? I always, I always wonder, I always wonder about that because it always seems to be for the hall posts. It always seems to be a certain type of people. And being somebody who's involved in kind of like the BG media scene, you're kind of looking, yeah, that's fine. But a lot of that stuff, I think that was kind of prearranged and you were just kind of like picking it up because it is mm. a good time to kind of arrange with publishers to kind of pick up kind yeah. of review and preview copies and stuff like that. So sometimes <laughs> when you see a big, huge haul, it's kind of actually, well, um, yeah, I think you'll find I actually just bought this small book and everything else yeah, <laughs> is like, literally stuff that will allow me to kind of do the kind of the preview and then review inside of things. But yeah, I volunteered, like I, I signed up to volunteer because if you do a, a certain mm -hmm. number of hours over the weekend, you get a room. You don't mm -hmm. get to pick who you share with, but oh. you get you get a room. You get They'll put you up for anything. <laughs> um, and then also you'll get like some vouchers that will, you know, the Chow Street, like outside the Hilton? Yeah, yeah. You get yeah. a couple of vouchers to cover like an evening meal. It's not like an evening meal, but you know, like a burger or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's part of volunteering. And um that was great uh, when yeah. when those kind of costs were like, okay, so, because the radio station is not paying for anything, right? We're volunteers. We can barely afford mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. hobnobs. Like hobnobs are only brought out <laughs> when we have like a, a civic guest turning up. You know, you might be giving us more funding. Here's the chocolate biscuits. <laughs> you know, that was the joke. Do you, have a, do you actually have a locked away celebratory kind of pack of chocolate hobnobs? Um, well, in case somebody very, very special kind of comes in. Long story. There was a, a while ago, a few years ago, the um, funding changed, um, and we did a lot yeah. of our, our stuff through through funding and training people on how to make their own radio show. We lost a lot of funding, so the radio station that um, I was at doesn't exist anymore. Uh -huh. um, I am uh -huh. sort of half involved with some other like community radios, but they're a little bit far away from mm -hmm. me, so. Unfortunately, the radio station that my radio show was on doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, we used to have like, you know, this is our special pack of biscuits and that kind of stuff. Um, but that that was like the motivation um, and the, the sort of like go um, and the volunteering um, side of things, because I would never have thought about it otherwise. Um, and that was the year before um, the NEC was added on. So everything was just in the Hilton. Um, wow. And the Hilton was like jam packed. Um, and my yeah. very first thing when I arrived, oh wow, when I arrived there way back when, they used to have trays. Like none of this show us a QR code or give us a, a mm -hmm. email. It was literally like a bunch of folks would go through a box and find an envelope with your name on it. And in that envelope, <laughs> in that envelope would be your weekend tickets 
if you booked any RPGs, yeah. you'd have your little ticket for that. If you booked a, an event, yeah. you'd have a little ticket and they'd give you that. And you stood there and you checked everything you'd pre-ordered was in the envelope. And then you'd go yeah. and join the expo. Um, so I got my volunteer stuff and had to go and guard, um, what was it, library in the Hilton. There's a room called library. I think it's open gaming or it might be where the ticket desk is this year. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But I had to go and stand there for about three hours while traders set up, but keep out wow. like visitors and be like, no, <laughs> have you got an exhibitor's <laughs> pass? You can't come in yet. Did you? Uh, and that, did that they was... give you a broom or a sword or did you a plunger? Um, no, no, like it was, it was just like three or four of us. We were we were there for a bit, um, and then um, one of the chaps who was who was there, one of like the team leaders, because mm. um, also the thing they used to have to do um, that that we don't have to do anymore. Well, it we, it sort of still happens, but we, it it was they used to have to go around the Hilton overnight and tape out the aisles and tape right. out like tape out the spaces where each trader would be like and it would, with like masking yeah, tape yeah. and be like your yeah. three meter by two meter stand is inside this line yeah. everything has to fit in here but they had to go out overnight um what would that have been um <laughs> thursday night into friday morning or something and tape that out um, and when I got there, one of these chaps, um, I think is, I think it was Simon, a chap called Simon, had been doing that all night and needed to go to sleep. So he was like, here's a radio. You, you're in charge yeah. of this now. I'm going to bed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've been here three hours. Thanks. <laughs> so you get charged on kind of like everything. Have you, um, have you always been that kind of, a little bit of a kind of like an extrovert because no. obviously we're talking from the GM side of things. Do you like to organize and stuff like that? Because if you're talking about kind of getting involved in kind of tabletop role playing, and then you're talking about herding people like uh, Steve Tudor <laughs> to get him to go on stage. You know, like no, we'll, Steve's, Steve's, we'll cut Steve's show, right? It. We'll cut, we'll cut. And right. afterwards I'll tell you about the polyhedron collider rider. Okay. It's just unbearable. <laughs> like the bit. Oh, I shouldn't. We're still recording. Okay, no. Um, so no, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm um, I'm an extrovert. I would say um, uh -huh. basically I am like some sort of goblin who likes to hide in their cave, um, and then now mm -hmm. and again I will ferret out and do big loud things, and then I'll run away again yeah. for for a while. Like I was joking with my husband, who has occasionally walked past a couple of times. You might hear him swishing through. Um, yeah. Um, like until you mentioned it this afternoon, I I haven't gone out for about three days and talked to wow. anybody. And I'm like, I'm just gonna hide here, like just hide. Mm. Um, but I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think uh, I think I've kind of become I work from home, mm -hmm. so I think I've kind of I've kind of become become the same that I end up kind of forcing myself to kind of go out. Like like once I'm finished here. I'm gonna go out and um, I'll go to the shops. I'll go to Tesco's. I'll surround myself by people for a little bit. But the kind of sometimes I just like I don't want to do that. I just want to kind of I'm quite happy kind of being in here. Or I'll uh, I'll take myself along to the local games club. Mm. But I kind of like that's why I kind of like the podcast side of things because I don't I kind of I like 
it's like kind of it's a kind of yes I'm putting my voice out there but it's a very very kind of controlled kind of situation yeah. if you know what I mean I quite often but, I mean think, you'll know this because of like yeah. streaming and stuff like that that you do that you know it's like yes there's very little kind of audience interaction nobody can kind of jump on and say boo this is boring or I don't like this or yeah this is amazing kind of like keep no, it going kind of thing um, there's kind of a little bit of a lack of kind of like that direct kind of maybe kind of interaction and interference, which I can kind of, I can kind of get behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Twitch I, streaming is a bit different because obviously you have like live viewers and people commenting and sometimes mm-hmm. so. So the first actual play sort of thing um, was just me and some folks. Like we, we had um, a couple of mics I had from the radio station, only two of them. Like, mm. um, and people mm. always think like, um, oh, these must be amazing mics. And it's like, oh, please. Like we, we did stuff with the local BBC radio station and not even they were very good mics. We're talking like 15 quid mic that's got yeah, a fancy yeah. fluff shield on. Um, and this, this old desk kind of thing. And we got together and played some D&D. Um, and that was, I, I, I think, in, more in my end of the thing, it's working out how to do stuff, like the logistics of this. How do you how do you do this thing? How do you tweak that to make it? What are they doing? Like, I quite often watch, like, Dimension 20 and Critical Role and um, yeah, 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 the, yeah. those folks. And, and I'm like, well, what are they, how are they doing that? Oh, they're projecting that from the other side. Oh, okay. How are they, how are they, what, what mic setup have they got? You know, and I think it's more, it's more for me, like the process of making the thing rather than the, the other end of it. I feel I've gone rambling mm-hmm. a left, but I, I, I think that's okay. Um, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely fine, as yeah. I say. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no, it, no, I could It's so, so I don't think, like, I guess it all co- sort of, circles back in itself it's not necessarily a case of i'm the sort of person who likes to organize people or i i want to put a, it it's the process like what is what is the logistically the best way of working this out what is how can mm-hmm. we do that um like anybody who's watched some of the the live streams sometimes i'll you can tell when i've gone down a rabbit hole because things suddenly yeah. become incredibly overproduced, but I was trying to work out how somebody else did something, um, and yeah. so so now that's how I'll, I know how to do it. I'll use it for two or three sessions, and then that's it, dead. We'll we'll never go back to that style of map again, or that sort of you know graphic in a thing, or that audio cue or whatever. Because um, I've worked that out now, that's done, um, and I'm going to carry on with. with whatever it is next um but yeah how did, so, how did you first how did you how did you first get into role-playing games i mean um, i realize we've jumped like right into the present potentially we've jumped potentially into a little bit into the future talking about kind of like uh, uk games expo and giving um the hedron boys far too much publicity but <laughs> i mean taking other, it back, other seminars are available. yourself oh so, um, <laughs> there's other seminars definitely are available um Um, but going back to yourself yeah how did how did you first kind of pick up kind of like a a kind of a multi-boot and start flicking through it grab some dice and a pen and a sheet and go right let's let's see what's out there kind of thing it was a, a very long time ago um 
and a group of us were air cadets. Um, okay. So we're talking like, but yeah, 27 years ago, a group of us air cadets, one of the guys, his, his dad played AD&D. And then we were right. like, all right, well, do you want to come and play AD&D with us? Like yeah. Mickey. Um, Mike said that. And so there was about four of us. Um, mm. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Let's, I don't know. Let's, you know, you're semi-cool people. I'll come and join in with you. Um, <laughs> um um, we did that thing, um, and it depends on on if people know like Dungeons and Dra- like old Dungeons and Dragons rather than Fifth Edition. Um, yeah, we did that thing where we did um, to roll stats in in order, four d six. Ignore yeah. the lowest one, and it started on I rolled um, three sixes and a four yeah. or something. So I had eighteen yeah. strength. Um, and when you have 18 strength in, in that system, you then have to roll a percentile dice to see how much of that 18... Like, you can't have the highest strength. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I then rolled all zeros on the, the percentile dice, which wow. I didn't understand. I had just done yeah. two of the best rolls ever in this system. <laughs> and and therefore, yeah. I, I was like, all right, yeah, that's great. So I had this 1,800 strength. Uh, fighter and that was the first ever <laughs> of a character and there we go um uh i have no idea what to call them so they could they've just got called red like all right i like right. red there's red um and the little way back in those modules um everybody in a village was detailed um everybody was detailed and also um they all had like all this stuff like the stuff you could nick uh, and all that kind yeah. of things. Um, and we, I just went through like the list of people in the village. Um, yeah. The butcher was called Azel, uh, Mr. Azel the butcher or whatever he was. So I decided that Red Azel was the butcher's daughter um, and that would be right. their name. Not and, and they would try and play on it like they were scary because they were the butcher's daughter, as in like my yeah. dad butchered everyone. And it wasn't. It was yeah. just like you know, he, he cut <laughs> off the cow. He was literally the butcher, and that was our joke. Because um, I, I think I rolled absolutely abominable for charisma or fellowship or whatever it was back then. Um, but yeah, that was my. And when we played like a bunch of stuff, um, mm. after a little while, we played some Vampire the Masquerade. Um, um, and my, I can't remember what my first vampire character was. But I do remember they were the only one who had the ability to keep up with the other bad guy. We had a cool chase scene. Um, All right. Because because like you could have special powers um, to I, I completely forget, but I do remember that chase scene. Um, and then like real life got in the way a bit. I moved yeah. around the I moved around the country a little bit. I came up mm-hmm. um, up to where I sort of near where I live now up in Lancashire. Um, and the college I was at, there were some folks who were playing WFRP, which is the Warhammer right. system, which is brilliant. It's very British yeah. in its humor. Like, yeah. you, you lucky. One of the things is like a, a sewer jack. One of the careers is a sewer jack. So Dungeons and Dragons has things like fighter and rogue and 
yeah cleric and then wfrp has like sewer jack um <laughs> sweet sweet streeper uh servant exactly <laughs> Yeah, exactly that kind of stuff dustman yeah you yeah. know just yeah. just Delivery, tone it down a bit Brits. just just tone it down yeah you, you're not going to be that brilliant you, um but the sewer guy um has a yappy dog is was like yeah. i remember um so i played that for a bit and then it all sort of died off um and then um i remember when i was when i was courting my husband um, he talked about uh, he played WFRP. He's waving there in the background for viewers. He's very proud. Um, <laughs> uh, he played WFRP, um, and they yeah. were playing. Um, I can't remember the name of the scenario. I can't remember. Um, but the the GM was also running a character, so I ended up taking over her character for a bit, um, yeah. and and that kind of stuff. And we sort of got in that um, and played a bit around with that. And then I opened for a short while. It wasn't very successful. Let's not dwell on this next bit I'm about to explain. Um, I opened a board game cafe. Okay. Um, uh, um, but in that, we ran um, Adventure League, which is the fifth edition right. organized place. So we ran Adventure League. Obviously, when loads of folks um, get involved in that, there are quite often folks like, oh, I really like this. What else can we do? Um, and so we ran things like Tales from the Loop and um, uh-huh. Delta Green, which is like modern day Cthulhu stuff. Um, and then, yeah, it's just like since since Dyson Donuts, like, um, you know, I, I joke, let's not talk about it. But, it, it, you know, for its its couple of years it ran, it was it was fun. Um, but we, we did a lot of that. And then the podcast kind of stuff came out of... Um, we wanted to do uh, like, um, you know, podcasting at the time was like promote your business with a podcast, and we're like, how are we going to promote? Yeah, 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 yeah. How are we going to promote a board game cafe with that? Well, maybe we could just do like a a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah. And maybe we can just be like sponsored by the cafe. Um, and the podcast turns out it lasted longer than the cafe. Uh, <laughs> as, <laughs> As things goes, that's you know. tragic. That must that must have been a kind of like we're no longer sponsored. Which you know by Dyson Donuts. We didn't actually ever get round to put in like the sponsorship on it <laughs> because um, we're too British. Like you know, that, oh, it's uh, bad. To, it's bad to promote yourself, eh? It's bad stuff. Um, I I I always have. I always have kind of great respect for people that just go out there all the time kind of everywhere and are just constantly kind of they're always switched on and they're always like they never miss it they never miss a beat they kind of like I see some people that like and I I have utmost respect for them that they kind of they're in every single kind of Facebook group they're always kind of like first on the kind of like the latest platform they're always doing those mm. like kind of little bit extra things that you could just kind of like going this is a hobby and this is now starting to feel a little bit like ongoing kind of hard work if you know what I mean I think you know that yeah, kind of, yeah. so I, I do I, 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 I totally understand the people that kind of like you know they would kind of like they 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 have a vision and I don't think it's because they work harder or anything like that. I think that 
I think there's a lot of people that say, right, okay, when I set up like when I set up a show or I set up, you know, I set up a podcast or I set up like a board game blog or if I set up a stream, they go, right, I've got to set up my Instagram account. I've got to do like, you know, I've got to do my Facebook group. I've got to do my blog. I've got to do my other kind of Instagram social media. And then everybody says, so what you do is you post regularly on it. And there's always these people that that's what they do. <laughs> they just yeah. like, they're always posting kind of regularly on their time. I don't, it's not like they're kind of like got, they maybe just, I don't know. I think it's maybe organization. Really. I think yeah. that's what it is. I think they just kind of like know, they kind of like schedule stuff and they kind of know kind of what they're, not what they're doing, but they're just kind of consistently and they're kind of always kind of out there. Um, In terms of, in terms of kind of like games then, are you <clears throat> are you the type of person that's got more of a collection of kind of RPG books on your shelf as opposed to a huge range of kind of board games? Or have you got kind of like a mix and a match between the two of them? Um, no, we've got loads. Like I said, we have, um, like I, I, I ran a board game cafe and we had like, you know, a couple of hundred uh, games there. Um and and like I am, I like I I do like to play board games. Like I I will I know the rules and the how to teach and, and all that kind of stuff for mm. for lots of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I don't know. It doesn't quite click with me. I I mean, there's a there's a shelf on the side here. We've got like um, you know Battlestar Galactica and Dice Hospital and War of Whispers and Networks yeah. and yeah. Alchemist. I really like the Alchemist. Um, you yeah. know the one, but I get too engrossed in the logic puzzle, uh, trying to work out. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, and the, but you also have to present your things, and you have to do this other thing as well, and collect the ingredients. <clears throat> no, just just yeah. give me all the cards. Let me work out the things. Um, Bandu, we've got Discworld. We've got a copy of that. Um, wow, um, that doesn't sound like a board game collection. That sounds more like a retirement fund. <laughs> I know, right? You know, the price of these things kind of go. Because um, I always see them, I see, oh, I've got a mint copy of Discworld, and folk are like saying, well, it's £110 or £120. And I'm like going, I remember seeing that on shelves and there being like four or five copies at one time. And it was like at some point they were kind of, they weren't selling them for that much. And now they're kind of like that. And you mentioned Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And people go absolutely crazy for Battlestar Galactica as well. Like it's like it's like um it's like some kind of hen's teeth type thing. I think because they printed it for a while and then it kinda went out of print and because this T V series ended, they yeah. just didn't bother kind of ever printing it again. And then FFG I think lost the license for that IP. Yes. Um yes. but we've got this copy. Um it's a and my friend is never gonna listen. Um because he's not into listening. Some folks aren't podcast people. Just um, make them. I just thought no, because I'm I'm just about to to spill some secrets. Um, so we've got this copy of Battlestar Galactica, but my friend mm. also has a copy of Battlestar Galactica. Um, and mm. originally we had like a bunch of expansions for it, but he also yeah. has a bunch of expansions for it. So we sold our expansions. Right. <laughs> like we were like, Haha, sell it. <laughs> because he's always going to fetch over all his expansions to play it because he's got all the stuff yeah. and he's got it all sleeved yeah. and and Gaz bless him yeah. loves the game to bits like he will joke yeah. um anybody who's played it we've got the Pegasus 
bit and he always wants yes. to be Admiral Kane yeah, yeah. and airlock everybody until we find the Cylon. It's like we can't do that because we'll run out of um what is it, morale or something. People, <laughs> People as yeah, well. Yeah. Um <laughs> that kind of stuff. So we we were cheeky. We sold all our Battlestar expansions, oh knowing full well we'll still have the opportunity to play the full game with with our buddy. Um, but yeah, there's that. Do you do you regret doing that? Is there a party that's kind of like mm, it would be nice to kind of hold on to them? But then it's like no, it's think- only these things are only worth value if you sell them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I could have like I could have like a Van Gogh sitting on my, oh, I'd love a Van Gogh, you know, s- hanging on my wall, and you know, but people would say, oh, that's worth you know, seventy four million, seventy four million pound, but it's actually only worth seventy four million pound when I sell it, and it's yeah. the same with Battlestar Galactica. You could have a copy of Battlestar Galactica mint and sealed, and it could sit in your shelf for years, and people mm-hmm. will say, oh, that's worth. That's mint. It's worth two hundred pound or whatever, but it's only actually worth two hundred pound until I'm willing to kind of get it. Willing to there out of the house. It wasn't like my like my husband had a copy of Blood Bowl Team Manager. You know the little card game version of Blood Bowl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he sold that, and then regretted yeah. it. And then we've since bought in a new copy. Not a new copy, but you know we've since replaced. Because he yeah. was like, oh, no. I love that game. And we were like, well, why did you sell it? It's like, I don't know. Let's buy a new one. It's okay. Let's buy a new one. Um, so that, I think, has been the only one we've been like, oh, I shouldn't have sold that. My one was Godfather, Corleone's Empire. Oh, Empire. yeah? The one with the metal the metal suitcases and the, the little plastic kind of miniatures. It was a Simon game. I mentioned mm-hmm. it like a couple of shows back, but it kind of like, I had it. Is that the one where you could then... literally put the mini in the lake or in the river or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah, the yeah. whole the whole point of the game was like you you would eliminate like if you eliminated other players, what would happen is you'd you'd drop them in. I think it's a is it the Hudson. You'd actually yeah, drop you them in the Hudson River until the next round. That was like it was like player. It was a little bit of player elimination. You kind of killed characters, and then they kind of they stayed in the river until the kind of like the next round, and then they kind of got resurrected. Um, so, but that was one that was kind of like it was going through like it was out. And I think it's Simon released it and then nobody bought it. So you could mm. get it for like literally next to nothing. And then all of a sudden, over a period of time, everything kind of disappeared and then you couldn't get it again. And now it's really, really difficult to get it kind of. It's easy to get in the US, but it's really, really difficult to kind of get in the UK. I've seen people kind of like, I know somebody was like selling it in one of the Facebook groups and mm-hmm. and somebody cheekily said, oh, that usually goes for about £50. And I thought, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> number of comments of this like he's lying he's not <laughs> telling the truth there's no way so i've just seen that but you were saying about um like game the game that you kind of regret so kind of maybe kind of getting rid of it's not necessarily getting rid of but the one game i wish i could go back and play again is the pandemic legacy like i haven't got rid, oh, of, right. rid of it but i've done yeah. it um you know you uh-huh. break the things and and not not necessarily that I want to go back and have not broken the components when it says rip the thing up. I, I rip, you know, yeah, stuck yeah. the stickers down, rip the thing. But that's the one thing I'm like, if I could go back again and do it again, I, that would be great. Because the, that, like, I'd never played like a legacy board game before. And obviously, I love in, in RPGs and stuff the consequences of. Like yeah. the continuity of things. Like we can play around a Discworld. Yeah. Uh, this time I'm Lord Rust. I lose 
Um, we reset yeah. the board. This time I'm not Lord Rust, but I can, you know, I'm going to play. And it doesn't matter. But in between every single game of Pandemic Legacy, that all mattered. And I'd love to go back and play them fresh, if you will. It's like, you know, because we Is it about... Is it about the experience then? Is mm. that why you kind of like that? Because um, the way I view, uh, the way it's kind of like viewing games. I feel like I played, we played Armada from Mantic Games, and I played that um, with my son. And it wasn't the rules that we remembered. It was the fact that there was kind of like the experience of the fact that I, I kind of thought I had him kind of like in my sights and then I rolled absolutely abysmally and then it ended up in some kind of like Benny Hill kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know yakety yeah, sacks yeah, kind yeah. of me kind of like running me kind of like basically trying to escape from his two biggest ships because he turned around basically and he destroyed me now that wasn't based on the rules that wasn't based on how far the ships were or how fast the ships were. That was the kind of the experience. Mm-hmm. So is that why is that why you're kind of very much kind of into the into the role playing stuff? And that is that why something yeah. like Pandemic Legacy appeals to you? It's not necessarily because of the rules in the game. It's more kind of like the experiences and the memories that you can kind of I think definitely in, in terms of like the board game sort of things, like you know the resistance and um, mm. coup, two booms in a room. We've played some great like New Year's Eve games yeah. with loads of folks in that. Um, uh, secret fascist, use um, the safer <laughs> version of the name. Um, that's a great game. Like. Uh, so those are definitely ones like I remember a couple of years ago at Expo. Um, it's the it, mm. it was Thursday night. Sat in the yeah. the bar of the Hilton. Um, we're playing coup, and I remember leaning right. over to um, the chap sat next to me. Never met this chap before. We're just playing this game in the bar of the Hilton. Um, I think it's like the second time he's ever played coup. And I lean over to somebody after somebody's declared they're the Countess or something, and I'm like, challenge them. Challenge them. <laughs> and they, they look at me and like go, all right, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, you've just killed yourself. I've just won. <laughs> and the, how outraged this poor chap was that, like he didn't think at that point, like, why aren't you challenging them? Why, why it's not, I... I mean, it's it's not real, but yeah, it's the kind of the whole kind of I we could never actually do this in real life, but I'm kind of doing it. I'm kind of doing it, kind of just kind of just now, kind of yeah. thing. When you're GMing, mm-hmm. when you're kind of like running sessions, mm-hmm. how much would you say that kind of like most of these experiences kind of occur organically? I mean, is it possible to actually plan? The um, the plan, the kind of the the greatest, the kind of the greatest escape is just going to happen, or somebody misses out by just a whisker, or somebody saves the day, you know, just by happening to pick up that one thing. I mean, how easy is it to to kind of engineer those situations, or is it more the case that sometimes you just got to let something kind of happen, kind of organically, and then let the experience kind of form itself? Um, I think there's like so. In most in most sort of adventures, mm. there is there is like a setup. 
and mm-hmm. then and then it depends on the system like some systems handle things differently but mostly it's like mm-hmm. all right this is the premise this is the this is the the thing the you know hero's mm-hmm. journey this is the inciting point and we're just going to literally ride a roller coaster now and see which way it goes because as a gm i will sort of know what the the world like I guess I guess tales from the loop and stuff is is probably the easier. Like I know uh, what the world is going to do if if you sit still right. and do nothing, and I know what right. the people in the world their sort of personal motivations are, and so how you interact as characters with those things dictates the way it rolls next. And sometimes mm. players can go. Oh well, I'm just going to give them exactly what they want in the hope that I'll just get exactly what I need. And then sometimes they yeah. go, "I'm going to try and swindle everybody left, right, and you have to sort of roll with that and pick and choose and and see." So, on the one hand, there is a, a bunch of prep, and like for me, and mm. there's a lot of, a lot of different ways that other folks do it, but for me, it's the front loading of like. Who are these people that we're going to meet along the journey? What is the world around this journey going to do? Mm. Yeah. And then let's let these agents of chaos, because typically players are agents of chaos, um, especially in some of the games I'm running at the minute. Um, and let's <laughs> let's see how, let's see what they pick. Let's see how they roll. And you can then, once you, you know, if you've played a little while with them. Um, yeah you can sort of narrow things down. Like we have just finished a, a long campaign. We were playing D and D with some folks for years. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of, at the minute, like we've, we went from level one to tw- level 20 with the whole run. Um, yeah. s- started off just doing like little adventures and finding little bits and pieces for some folks in a local town, ended the level 20 killing a God, in hell, you know, whilst Fury Road rock plays in the background, you know, that kind of uh, hero's (laughs) journey. But when you sit down and do that, like there was a time where um, the bard in the group was forever polymorphing into a dinosaur and that was their like sort of uber fight tactic. And it's like, okay, we know that's going to do that now. So um, we'll, we'll change it so the bad guy knows how to use things that are going to counter that and so we had like and and then they were all like oh no world has changed what do we do now and they had to go away and think of a new new tactic because obviously you don't want a t-rex that's no longer on your side um attacking you when it's your mate because you can't kill it because it's your mate um and that that sort of spanners in those works like the big oh that was yeah and then NPCs who who are sort of your friends right up until they get their point, the thing they want, and then they skedaddle. It's like you've ditched us in the wrong place. It's like, well, I, you would have done the same to me because you did it to my dad, you know, and that kind of thing. Mm. So, mm. um, it's like it's to me, yeah, it's front loading that sort of preparation and then joining in. Like it's like I am not. I'm not the app from XCOM or the app from like uh, Alchemy or or that kind of stuff. 
or you yeah. know yeah. um i'm not the the deck in the middle of disc world if we go back to talking about that i'm one of the players yeah. like my role is games master i know more of the secrets but i'm not just here to facilitate a game and i think i think a lot of folks forget that like i'm playing as much as you are and that's why it's fun for me yeah yeah yeah. I, see, I see a lot in groups these days, like especially like some of the so there are RPG groups in the same way. There's massive board game groups, like board game trading and chat is ginormous, and there yes, are like, is, you know, yeah, yeah. like D and D UK, D and D this campaign, and they're ginormous as well. But there's a lot of folks in there going, "We are four people who need a GM who will do us this." And it's like, well, I don't want to do that because I want a game where we're all involved and I can be involved. I'm not just here to facilitate the rules. Uh, And to a certain Mm -hmm. degree, maybe, you know, the Alexa GM a game for me, but I think you can do that with Pathfinder at the minute. You can get, there's a... That's, 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 I don't know. I mean, I I guess one of the biggest things that everybody's talking about is kind of like AI. Yeah. And how that potentially is going to have I kind of have an effect. I'm not convinced. Well, no, but, but for those folks who are just like, we are four people and this is the incredibly niche adventure that we want somebody to run and we must all get these magic uh-huh. weapons and we must all be, you know, these cool people with this magic coat, coats and all get magic tattoos and all hold hands. That's, a, that, you know, an AI GM would do fine for them because they've already got such a niche and exacting kind of route way through their adventure. There's no... Hmm. You know, they've already kind of decided what they want. Whereas the folks who are like, I want to make a character and have fun. Can I come and play in your campaign? It's like, yeah, what campaign are Mm. we making, folks? What are we doing? I want to do high fantasy. Do you want to have very black and white bad guys? Like, these people are bad and these people are good. No, I want Shades of Grey. All right, cool. We can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you feel about tech and magic? No, no tech. All right, well, we're not going to have Warforged and Artificers. Let's just have... Uh, rogues and sorcerers and you know that kind of stuff that's the sort of thing do you you feel do you feel like for all the success the critical role has that it does end up placing like a high bar on what people expect kind of like a role-playing experience to be do you think people kind of go into into it kind of like going oh this is going to be the best thing kind of ever yeah, like when we when we ran Adventure League at Dyson Donuts, there was regularly always somebody who'd be like, I want to be a Shadokai half-elf mm. called this, yeah. and I want this and this. And we'd be like, you're going to have to dial that back a bit, because this is level one, mm. and this yeah. adventure has got to last two hours, and we've got six yeah. people around the table, yeah. um, and none of y'all got magic items. And and I remember yeah. having a conversation with someone. So there's, a, um, there's an item... In Dungeons and Dragons, um, it's in what book is it? Strad, Curse of Strad. There's an item in Curse of Strad called the Sunblade, um, and when you find it, I guess there's spoilers here for anybody who hasn't played Curse of Strad. Um, when you find it, it's just a sword hilt. But when you um, become attuned to it, you know, when you spend time with it and you learn the magical properties of this sword, it's essentially. Mm-hmm. The magical blade of of light appears out the sheath of out the hilt of the sword. It's a lightsaber, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's a lightsaber. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. lightsaber. It doesn't cut through metal and stuff, but it's you know it's a magical blade that just springs yeah. from the hilt. Um, yeah. And I remember talking with some, one one of these folks who was like, "Oh, I really want a lightsaber, and I really want to make this character." I'm like, "Well, part of the joy in in like the campaign we're running in Adventure League is finding out if your character, you know, the journey to get that." Because I could just go, "Yes, you've got it." Now what? Mm-hmm. That that's it. That was that was the adventure. You did it. Congratulations. Now what? Well, I need to go on an adventure to use it. Why? You've used it. Brilliant. And yeah. and there was that yeah. moment with the with the kid who was like, "Oh, so it's not the story of the guy with the cool stuff. It's the journey <laughs> of of getting to be the guy with the cool stuff." I've actually get yeah to get oh, into okay. be the kind of the person that can actually hold the hold the cool stuff and the, the yeah at and the, the end trials of, it, yeah. of yeah. how yeah. you know I got to get the cool stuff. Uh, and that was the sort of thing like when we we just wrapped up the campaign. We did like the epilogue and they're like, I'm a level 20 character. I've just killed Tiamat. Why do I have to have a yeah. negotiation with the local church about the trade routes to my castle now? Because, you yeah. know, you're a level 20 character. You've done all the cool stuff. Like, you need to retire. <laughs> you've, got, you, you, you've got back down to kind of like responsibility. You've got to yeah. make sure that you're, you know, you're separating your whites from your darks when you do the, <laughs> from yeah. your colors when you do the wash <laughs> to make sure you don't end up like dying everything that you have like light green or light pink basically yeah you'll be the light green knight instead of the sapphire knight you know you've got to deal with this stuff and it's it's not like the like the the stuff is is not part of what playing the the rpg is about it's the journey it's the adventure mm. it's the being able to to go oh you remember when we had that like when the bard was accused of treason so he was locked up and we had to have the barbarian go and negotiate with the people mm. that was hilarious mm-hmm. a barbarian cannot mm-hmm. negotiate they have no skills in talking to people they get very angry and smash stuff up <laughs> the person who would be good is locked <laughs> away because he committed treason so off you go yeah oh okay oh no <laughs> that's brilliant that's funny not not yeah. i i've got this sword and i stood on a hill and waved a sword about but yeah Do you- so do you do you, do you notice a change in characters from when somebody kind of starts? Like I'm not talking about one shots, but say somebody if you're playing over like say five sessions or ten sessions, do you notice a difference between the character that somebody thinks that their character is at the beginning and the character that they actually end up with at the end, kind of the end? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think like folks folks make this archetype like i am the Mm. i am the company agent who's purely in for the money or i am the the this the that the other and then you put the you put those characters in situations and partly through like the player and partly through the the dice makes them Mm. a different person than what you first set out from and like i've had moments where folks are like i thought this character was going to be really straight laced but i'm sat around five yeah. rogues so how did i get yeah. here like because yeah. i thought this character would never and we have to work out how how does that character go on a journey with you know five rogues and a paladin because if you if we can't like reconcile that and work out a way for that to happen the adventure doesn't happen mm-hmm. or you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. or like how 
how how did I get in this situation? Well, there were some bad crits. Um, and <laughs> sorry to say, now you're locked up. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah, so the, there are definitely moments where, like, I would never have thought my arcane trickster would be in love with a cleric of whatever. That's mm-hmm. that's a, a, a journey in itself. And you're like, cool. That's that's the stuff I love about the, the things. Not finding the sun sword in a pile of treasure and going, I've got a lightsaber. Um, but yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely like these sorts of things uh, that that change the stuff. And all, it, like the same for the story. Like um, I, I thought we were going to be, you know, avenging this thing, but actually we're just going to be making friends with everybody as we go along. What's going on here? Yeah. That's cool. Okay, completely not the way I thought we would negotiate this space treaty. With all the systems that are out there, and it sounds like, I mean, you've played quite a fair number of kind of different systems. Do you still think that there's opportunities for newer, fresher kind of different type of systems to kind of come out there? Or do you think are we kind of are we kind of at our we've got our gothic we've got our kind of our steampunk with like blades in the dark we've got like our fantasy with our you know our D and D are we kind of reaching the point where what we're doing is people will bring out systems and it's kind of like well this is kind of like say this is like vampire masquerade except everybody's you know except everybody's actually really really happy kind of thing or you know. Is, th- is there a chance for kind of more kind of different kind of experiences and stuff? I think the systems help you tell a specific type of narrative and then it's coloured mm. in with fantasy or science fiction or that kind of stuff. At its heart, Dungeons uh-huh. & Dragons is a game about conflict, about fighting. Like, yes. And I know Critical Role and Dimension 20 and um, all those folks do beautiful sort of narrative character driven things but the Mm -hmm. mechanics in pathfinder or that kind of stuff uh, those specific things are there to make you have a fight if you look down the list 80 to 90 percent of your cool stuff happens in combat it's based on like the combat things um there are other systems in the fantasy world whose conflict is not smacking somebody in the face with an ice knife Hmm. and i think there is space in in like the systems for different conflicts like if you look like if you look at um wfrp versus dungeons and dragons there's loads of things in wfrp there's like gossip and haggle and um yeah bluff was it gossip blather blather's a phenomenal skill Mm. in wfrp basically i will just and then me and i was drunk so we were and and your enemies look at you going what i do or your yeah. and your enemy could be the tax official you spend five minutes yeah. blathering at the tax official you get out of having to pay the tax like yeah. that yeah. that wouldn't be a skill in 5e because you'd spend two minutes trying to charm or you know, persuade the tax official and then you'd roll initiative and mm-hmm. have a fight with him and his guards and mm-hmm. the people in the town, and then mm-hmm. you're locked up. Um, so I think at the heart, <laughs> like there are different different sort of conflicts. Like um, why play 
alien RPG over um, those, what is it, those dark places? Why, when they're both sort yeah. of retro futuristic sci-fi? Well, Alien deals with those moments where the panic gets away from you. So the bit where we find out yeah. whether you're going to wet yourself or punch someone, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what the panic dice do. They they literally help you work out how that character would be in that um, versus something else where it's more about, like, how well do you punch the unknown space entity? Do you, do you punch mm-hmm. it? Is it an uppercut? Is it a hook? You know, rather than do you punch it or do you wet yourself? Um, the, I think in the in the design space, there's lots of lots of room for things, and what I think drives me a little bit potty is people trying to take one system and yeah. use it for everything. And to me, that's like like if we bring it back to board games, that would be a bit like me going, "All right, I know how to play alchemy. Yes. Now we're going to use that." to play camel up because alchemy yes. is the, alchemy is the supreme system like how do we how do we bend alchemy to also give me the randomness of trying to bet on camels but we have to use alchemy to do it how do i take dungeons and dragons and use it to make a heist system you don't you play blades in the dark and you you yes. put you put yeah. a fantasy skin on blades in the dark how do i yeah. take yeah. how do i take um Dungeons and Dragons and make it Star Wars. You don't. You take the Star Wars system because that has inherently in it (laughs) light side and dark side, the sway of the force. That's a thing that's been designed for it. How do I take Dungeons and Dragons and add Cthulhu mythos in? You don't. You play Call of Cthulhu. And and like the and it's the, the, the sort of like can you imagine if pandemic was the only was the prominent game it's not oh i guess we have that situation you know like everybody thinks of playing board games as monopoly and we've reached the point in board games where most people will go it's not it's really not a, a, an indication of our genre anymore um charlie chaplin was a, a classic film monopoly was a classic board game but now we've got the avengers and quantum mania <laughs> and um the barbie film so please stop yeah. talking about Charlie Chaplin. Like, board games reach that. Like um, we we used to play Monopoly all the time, but now we've got Potion Explosion, Cult Express, uh, Dead of Winter, and you can rattle up and people go, "Oh wow, that's amazing!" Thing in board games, it's, in- it's almost it's become like a meme, isn't it? Do you mm-hmm. do you, you know? Oh, a board game. Oh, you mean like Ken Monopoly? But then the irony is that there's so many flavors of Monopoly like, now there probably is more there's probably more likely to be an Avengers Monopoly game coming out than there is actually a, a an Avengers board game I know there is I know that yeah. Simon have done like the Marvel ones but you know in terms of it coming out and kind of being accepted that you know Monopoly's I think Monopoly's kind of still there because I think everybody has kind of like a Monopoly memory mm-hmm. and I think that's when that's what they go back to you're kind of tapping into that and it's kind of like taking that out but when it comes to the different systems then because you create your own RPGs yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I how I will... much 
I was going to say, I will confess to Would... pinching like the like the base systems from other some folks publish under yeah. open gaming license. So, <coughs> so the the open gaming license and all that for raw, um, whatever you got involved with, like I still don't. I don't make my own systems. Like I'm straight up not uh-huh. going to take credit for that. Um, I tweak the systems for mm. the for the conflict I want to highlight for the mm. like. So the Year Zero engine, which is the one that Freely published, they've got a really nice sort mm. of base system. You grab a bunch of D6s, those dice that we'd use in Monopoly, uh, you put them to a different mm. use. Um, yeah. But there, it's very easy. Like you've got a number five here, that means five dice. We have to roll it, and if we get sixes, that's a success. How many successes do you need? At least one. It's easy. Done. Job's good. Um, <laughs> and you can take that system, and because it's the, the that bit there that grab a bunch of dice and roll it is actually very simple. Mm. You can then mm-hmm. bend it, bolt bits on, take bits off, color it in slightly differently put stipulations on how many like how you have to fit a criteria to do a thing that you can then yeah. apply it to a whole swathe of genres and that's that's sort of what i do i like i manipulate that base system that's my favorite one um there's another system that i've, I've got sort of excited by recently which is um the shiver the horror rpg i really enjoy my horror my spooky stuff um Mm-hmm. But the Shiver, they have a very similar sort of system. Um, and again, it involves... They've got some D8s in there, eight-sided dice as well. So you've got D6s and D8s, and you manipulate that dice pool to look for certain successes. Um, and that's quite fun, and I've been looking at like using that. Um, and then there's the Modifius 2D20 where you... So I take those base systems and fiddle with them. Like I don't want anybody to think I, I completely create my systems for my own because um, that's mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm, bit sneaky mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but, but I, I mean you go to like say drive through rpg and there's like there's literally hundreds if not thousands of people that are making kind of like their own versions and their own mm-hmm. kind of i mean yeah I guess that's, the, and stuff. that's the other thing like um from doing stuff with the board game cafes like it makes it very easy to see oh this mm-hmm. is that system with that thing bolted on the side for board games. Like this is, yeah. Um, this is that system with this cards bolted on the side. This is these things with that and this and that. Oh, we're doing hand management, but we're doing it blind. Hanabi kind of, thing. you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and and it's nothing I think different to to board games when it comes to to like the RPGs. Like you can't really copyright mechanics because I will just do it. A tiny bit differently and then it's unique um but yeah there's a thing going on on drive through it's called pocket quest um i had a lot yeah. of fun with that last year um which is basically make a 20 page rpg that's your design mm-hmm. constraint 20 pages mm-hmm. this year's theme is space um make a 20 yeah. page space rpg um the only things in your page count that don't count are like your cover your back page um uh-huh. and your character sheet i think so you could do like a 24 page rpg but everything in there has to be your rpg and those things are really fun and you see people doing like card based ones like you have a pack of cards and if you draw this you know 
this means this, or you have, which is like a success limiting sort of thing. If you draw ten cards and that's all you've got available for for this session, you might draw a load of NAF cards. Do you play the mm-hmm. NAF cards so that you can, you know, do you jump in and try everything, or do you do you hold them back? You might have drawn really well, so you don't want to. And and like choice choices in your mechanics or um you know is it fate dice where you have goodish and badish and maybe-ish sort of answers and and just mm-hmm. play with all those mechanics and that kind of stuff and i think those are those are good fun and i think there's plenty of space to sort of tweak these little things left and right because there's a there's a billion different stories that require a billion different solutions yeah 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 is there anything that you've heard about or is coming to the rpg space which you're kind of excited to to get your hands on or take a look at or even play that's kind of coming up um i think a lot of the stuff at the minute like there's the walking dead rpg which is coming out from from free league um Ah. just just been having a look at the like the early it was the beta i think the beta rules um that mm. looks fun, um, and that's based on the TV show, not the comics. So that's a bit like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Okay, a little bit of a, a sort of narrowing there. Um, um, I think I'm a little bit interested in um, the Delta Green stuff. Like I've got a lot of Delta Green. Um, and I don't get to play it as nearly as much. It's like a modern day Cthulhu stuff, conspiracy Cthulhu thing. Right. Okay. Kind of. Okay. It's kind of like X Files meets True Detective. Um, oh right. Okay. Well, situation. That's... Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And so I've got a lot of that stuff out, and I'm waiting on a few bits and pieces to come from a, a Kickstarter from a while ago. The thing about mm-hmm. um, the guys behind Delta Green is they they're very adamant that they won't just publish if it's not. They weren't published to meet a deadline, so quite frequently they go over because <laughs> they wanted yeah. to be right. They wanted the like um, what's his name, Sean Sean Ivey, Sean Ivey. Um, he quite often says they're going to publish when it's perfect, um, yes. and they're not they're not prepared to put something that they're not going to be absolutely proud of. Unfortunately, it means uh-huh. quite often you're waiting. Um, but when the books land, they're gorgeous, and you are like, oh, okay, this was worth it. And the, the stories and the, the the spookiness of the, the thing is like, oh, oh, okay, no, that's great. I'm really excited to get this. Can I have my book now rather than the PDF? So there's some Delta Green, the conspiracy is, is the next thing I'm looking forward to. Um, I don't I don't think there's like there's nothing nothing on the horizon in the same sort of way as folks would be like oh coming to expo is this game we're going to demo this game at gen con um or pick this game up at essen there's nothing like it's not really that big an industry that it's got those things outside of wizards of coast is there less is there less kind of fear of missing out kind of thing because the the whole board game industry seems to be driven at the moment by intense amounts of marketing Mm-hmm. as opposed to people actually discussing whether or not a product's kind of any good. There seems to be an awful lot of, you need to get this now, otherwise it's not going to exist. And I can see that because if only if it ends up only being 5,000 units of something does exist, then that means it's a finite thing and people can't get their hands on it. Whereas I would say on an RPG, 
I would say if I really, really wanted to get my hands on an RPG, then the P- I don't have to have a full box of stuff. I mean, if I've got a PDF, mm-hmm. I could probably still buy the kind of the PDFs. Does it mean that in order for, and this is probably stretching a bit, but in order for an RPG, for people to kind of like go wow at an RPG, it actually needs to deliver as an as a product instead of just being rushed along in the in the kind of the marketing. I remember like um and I don't know if you know this, uh, Kids on Bikes. Oh yeah, Kids on Bikes which is kind second of, edition. Yeah. Yeah, it managed to kind of like I don't know if it the Zeit it kind of managed to hit exactly the kind of the zeitgeist when kind of Stranger Things came out. Mm, yeah. So definitely. there was a lot of people kind of were deaf, you know, it kind of it was kind of right place, right time. And obviously, you know, it was had a lot of kind of it had a lot it had strengths behind it as a product itself mm-hmm. but i think the fact that it's kind of like as you said it's gone into a, a second a second edition does that mean it's actually a very very good it's proven itself to actually be a good product that people are not only wanting to buy kind of like one they've kind of went oh i want to you know i want to get the second edition if it's got like expanded rules or slightly changed the rata and stuff like that in it um i i think i like RPGs sometimes can be a bit of a, a strange beast because the, I know there are mm. still people playing like first edition Dungeons and Dragons and we will never oh, yeah, play yeah, another yeah. system again. Um, yeah. I think there's def- folks still definitely get caught up in the, the Kickstarter kind of thing. Um, and there are, and I've I, I never seen it in, there's, there's like a month on Kickstarter called Zine Quest, which is literally. Right hundreds of little small um rpgs basically in like you know paperback kind of thing you know you're not talking like big sort of ones and that's a that's a frenzy sometimes that that people are going to run like a two-week zine quest a four-week zine quest you know the one-week quick start or whatever they call and there's definitely that kind of hype like if you don't um kickstart it now if you don't kickstart this mm-hmm. you'll never get the book and obviously rpg mm. players are like oh you must have a book the physical book <laughs> at the table you must have yeah, it yeah. and you're like no yeah. you don't you got a tablet now you can look at a pdf and it's actually quicker to type in the search field to find the rules for grappling yeah. than it ever was yeah. and i didn't have to put sticky notes in it it's all good um yeah. but there's definitely that level of like you must back this to get the the thing um there's definitely like i've got on my shelf still in shrink wrap because i was hyped up and full fooled along with it and i do regret getting it um the one ring rpg special edition wow and it's this beautiful like red book and it's got gold sort of symbols and stuff on it i've never played the one ring i'm never going to (laughs) I genuinely just got caught up in buying this because it was the Lord of the Rings and it was a publisher I really like. And, you know, and then I get to it and I'm like, the book itself, like the PDF I've read. And it's like, this is great. I'm not going to play this. Yeah, but was it it hundreds and hundreds of pounds, though? um, I think I spent like 120 quid on it. So it got the special edition book, the PDFs. Yeah. Starter set right. and a GM yeah. screen. So, oh, that's I, all right. So it was oh. a good, it was good. Yeah. Um, but um, it was good, but it, um, 
it, it wasn't her it wasn't like my rpg it wasn't a thing for yeah. me i didn't need that rpg in my life and i know this because yeah. when was it it was a few years ago now i still haven't taken it out of shrink <laughs> and it's a bit like that van gogh you know you, we were talking about van gogh earlier like, like this is bringing it around in a full yeah. circle it's potentially yeah. worth about 120 quid if I can be bothered to find yeah. someone to buy it from me and if I can be bothered to post it special delivery to make sure it gets there and if I can be bothered to yeah. list it online, I can't. So it's yeah. going to sit and shrink on that shelf down there forever. Uh, and it's like... I don't uh, think... I, I don't know. I don't know if that's... A, I'm not sure if that's a... I'm not sure if that's a bad... I'm not sure if that's a kind of like a bad a bad thing. Um, but, but there's definitely the hype. There's definitely the hype and the, the roller coaster yeah. that comes with it. And there's definitely yeah. like the the thing, but I think um, the the sort of miss out FOMO that you get with the board games, like if you do not back the cool mini or not at the highest <laughs> pledge level to get the seventy three promos kind of thing, I think it's the other way around for RPGs. It's like if you don't back this yeah. indie one, yeah, you're never you're never going to get it in print, and you know, yeah. We're grown-ards. We want we want it in print. We want the book yeah. at the table. We want the the physical stuff. Yeah. I know there's lots of VTTs and that's amazing. I think that's a di- probably a diff- looking at the time a, diff- a conversation for a different time. But yeah. the the FOMO in in RPGs is the missing the the indie books or the physical print right over the yeah. go to drive through RPG and just get the PDF whenever you need it. As special you get the PDF, yeah, yeah. yeah. Special yeah. edition, yeah. Yeah. single print run. <laughs> One of five hundred. Okay, I need it. I don't, but I've got it. But you do. But you get it, it anyway, and I've then you kind of like get it, and it's like it's on its way. Is there a quicker turnaround? I would assume there's a quicker turnaround on these RPG Kickstarters. Then some of them are, and some of them aren't. Like um, some of them, the One Ring stuff was quite good hmm. um, because I think they'd already got all the stuff approved by the the estate. Like the Tolkien yeah. estate, they, that was all like literally yeah. signed off, and that was pretty good. Um, but some of them, especially the, the smaller ones, don't know how big a print run they're going to need until the Kickstarter's yeah. end, and then you've got to yeah. slot that in with wherever. Uh, yeah. And then because indie kicks, you know, folks that aren't Wizards of the Coast or Paizo um, are looking for for like little. Um, stuff they want to get it done so quickly in terms of as soon as it's printed it's gone to distribution and it's away because they can't afford warehousing and they can't afford that kind of stuff so in that that kind of thing sometimes it can be a year and a bit and a a little bit more um yeah or, or some of them like there is one um coriolis is a space rpg done by the same folks who did the Lord of the Rings, the One Ring stuff, um, years and years before. Uh, and in one of their stretch goals, it's like, we'll do the Coriolis cookbook. Still waiting for that. But that, it was like, it? it's never going to happen. Never and nobody's, happen. nobody's like genuinely annoyed and about it. Because it was like one of those, cares. those stupid stretch goals that they put in when you've, and a company is new and they're trying yeah. to do something cool. We'll do a Coriolis cookbook. And they just cookbook. ran it. And, ran out of stretch goals and so everybody's like yeah I've, i might have my shiny book but where's my coriolis cookbook where's my <laughs> and and so you still get stuff like that that technically are ongoing like and you can see 
but yeah, they they're typically like waiting for that insertion into a print run, or <laughs> or yeah. because it's like Kevin and his wife, it's waiting for them to book a week off off work <laughs> it's, to yes. pack the five hundred A five books and post them out. Yeah. Uh, where is yeah. my book? Where yeah. is my book? Well, actually, my wife's yeah, been ill, exactly. um, and we have. I'm, I'm only on order thirty six because I've had to do double shifts. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we actually, ran out of we ran out of like bubble wrap, and we ran yeah. out of like envelopes to ship it to everybody. Like yeah. my local post yeah. office yeah. says, I can't bring any more in for a week, so we have to wait. Like <laughs> those exactly. are real updates. Like that's genuinely exactly. real updates I have read on exactly. RPG exactly. Kickstarters, and you're like, oh, okay. This is still not, uh, you know, this is not a big industry, a big thing. You know, we might have Dungeons and Dragons and Paizo and um, Green Ronin or another, you know, big name. They've got uh, RPGs like The Expanse, um, the, yes. the um, not The Witcher, uh, Dragon Age and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's still about three of them. You know, it's not a big operation. Like he's um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so bringing it back around full circle. Yeah. Will how visible how visible will you be at the expo? I mean, will you be there with like a cattle prod or a smile <laughs> and a microphone? Are you going to be inviting people on? Are you going to be like? Can we? Are we expecting you to be running about the halls trying to track people down to get them to remember that they had a live podcast that we're going to be doing? This year, Ignacy Trevor Check is not doing a podcast, so I don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, true story. We we once had to send someone to the portal game stand to find Ignacy because he was too busy uh, drawing moo cows and getting cookies. Uh, and we're like, no, oh, we need go. to we need to take your um, your your MD and take him to a different room. Uh, <laughs> uh, fun, fun, fun fact, I was speaking, well, I wasn't, I was emailing with Ignacy just the other day and he, we're going to try and get him on the show. Fairly, oh, awesome. Yeah. Really soon. So they, wonderful, so wonderful go. person to chat with. Really, really tough guy. Did have to drag him off Absolutely. stand to come and talk to people in a room um, because he was late and no one could find him. Um, and then he left with a carrier bag of cookies. It was great. Um, so um, in terms of like folks finding me at Expo, um, I I mostly like run around between a, a bunch of locations and try and encourage um, people to finish on time, people to start on time. Um, sometimes in sellout situations, like when a, a, an event is fully subscribed to encourage gamers not yeah. to use the chair next to them to put their bag of treasures on like i'm gonna put a guest yeah. i'm gonna put an audience member on that chair please put your bag on the floor yeah. um one thing <laughs> um one thing i have indulged in um and um folks folks who have been to some of the shows at expo might have seen me do this um for the past um since yeah, six years, so not, not my first two expos, but in the past six years, I've always managed to, um, at the first sellout event, take a selfie on the stage with the crowd, if that makes sense. It's like my rock star moment. I just indulge go. myself. There you go. Um, uh, <laughs> last year, I did it at um, the one of the dark rooms with John Robinson, um, and that was uh-huh. fun. Um, trying to fit 350 people in a photo with you is, is awesome. Um 
and I will endeavour to do that this year. So that's probably the most visible bit I make myself when I get on stage and indulge in being a rock star. Um, but <laughs> I'm I'm the lady with pink hair who is checking you a ticket, running around. Um, oh, sometimes you see me running after a, a guest who is, wants to do a, like a social media thing, like where they run <laughs> past the queue or they take selfies yeah. or sometimes I'm, I'm there handing out T-shirts as they're selling them. Um, doing that kind Wonderful. of stuff um but yeah do say hi um if i am like hey hi and that's the end of the conversation it's because i've got somewhere else to go <laughs> yeah. and, and not being rude. somewhere else to go um and yeah. if it and if people want to and if people want to find you online where do you exist on the internet webs um there's a couple of ways um millie the gm is mostly um I think Twitter and Instagram and that kind of mm. stuff. Um, and then I, I sometimes, or I quite frequently loiter in the, the Garblag Games Discord because the, I, that's where I do my Tuesday night space RPG where there we're doing go. Coriolis, um, Garblag Games. But yeah, if you come and find Millie the GM, uh, that's probably me and I'll probably be able to point you into like <laughs> a Discord. Okay, I'm not on, I'm not on like, what is it, Mastodon and, social no, no. Where i'm not on any of the newer stuff because i'm got no I, I think ironically ironically the mastodon's gone the way of the woolly mammoth and i don't know how many people kind of use it i don't hear yeah. people kind of speaking about it but there you go um if you want to find out where we are just go to the internet webs and search for we're not wizards and you'll find us in all the different places uh worn out race faces bright and early for the daily races and we're on twitter and instagram and facebook and you can find us on our blog and if you like what you've listened to tonight you can do us a couple of things go and tell somebody else that we exist because that's all very very nice and if you go to spotify and this is based on benji uh, go to spotify and drop us a rating or review if you are going to be dropping us a rating review don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed but don't give us one star because it makes us cry give us five stars because in the middle it's a bit average and i'm just a little bit average but the person who's not been average tonight another wonderful another fantastic religion thank you very very much for guesting thank you for for chatting around everything with me <laughs> there's only two more things to do the first thing is to remember there were many things but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? No. That's very, very well said. And the second <laughs> thing is to say goodbye. So, it's so goodbye from Millie. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. folks. And it's goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Or roll twenties. Don't roll ones. I mean, it depends on the Until system. The if, next... you're, if you're Modifius, you want to roll ones. <laughs> Just roll, roll numbers. Roll numbers. Roll over. Be happy. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never linked. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm -hmm.